So we're in a, se- a series where we've been talking about the armor of God, spending a week on each piece of armor. And sometimes as you dwell on these things, as you actually stay in a passage and, and uh, reflect on it, there are things that come out of it that, that surprise you. It certainly does that, that with me. So a lot of what I've been talking about over the weeks has not been what I thought I'd talk about, but it's kind of evolved, it's kind of <coughs> grown. And uh, I want to just read you again. In, uh, and, you know, I'm sure you're t- incredibly interested in what I've been talking about, so you can find it on the Internet um, if you want on our website. But uh, the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 is, is this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, you do understand that when Jesus came into this world and he walked on the, on the land and he spoke and he delivered people and he healed sickness, and they said, how do you do that? It was a bit like uh, a much more powerful version of Florence Nightingale, where she says, you know, if you want to actually heal this disease, you've got to kill the germs. And they said, but we can't see the germs. Well, the germs exist. And so as they disinfected and as they did all of that, suddenly people began to be healed and <clears throat> they began to find penicillin comes against uh, disease, infection. And so Florence Nightingale and penicillin transformed medicine. I wasn't even going to say that. It didn't even occur to me until now. And Jesus did the same thing. He took the things that were unseen and he said, this has huge impact on this. And he lived in this world from the inside out. And he lived in this world with authority over the invisible, which before people were superstitious about, but they didn't know there was any power available or any revelation. And we live in a very dumb culture spiritually as well, where we don't believe the things we don't see. And so we have to pull back and begin to go, I can't see radioactivity, I can't see radio waves, I can't see germs. They all impact the physical. So what happens if in this realm that I can't see there is evil and there is a demonic force and there are things that energize the things in my spirit which makes it hard for me to choose good when I prefer evil. It makes it hard for me to be unselfish when I'm naturally selfish. When I rationalize things for myself and I think it's just me. And you go, no, it's not necessarily just you. It's you aligning yourself with things that are against God because God is good and God is kind. And if we rolled back, Lord, why did you let a little boy get washed up on the beach? He said, I didn't. My son died so he wouldn't have to. Then why does he get washed up on the beach? Because you're still living as if I don't exist. And you're still living in this kingdom of this world where it's dog eats dog and power eats power and people want, 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 want. Don't blame God for the violence in the world or the hunger in the world. There's enough for everyone. It's the spirit of human beings that's the problem. And behind that, there's demonic. And if you think there isn't, then you need to go to places like Auschwitz. You need to go to places where there is absolute violence and say that is is the tip of what what evil looks like when it's, it's, it's allowed to run. It's all about power and control. It's ugly and it's terrifying. And so when Paul is sitting next to this Roman soldier saying, we do not fight against flesh and blood, we fight against the principalities and powers, it's so easy to go, oh yeah, that's quaint. This is the real world. And there are lots of biblical interpretations that will take the supernatural out of this and just say you put on the armor of God. So what do you put on? What's the first thing? The belt of truth. And the belt of truth we've talked about. I've repeated myself every week. The belt of truth is relationship with Jesus. You are born for relationship with the Spirit of God. You're born for relationship with God made flesh in Jesus and then made alive in your spirit. Jesus alive. 
The belt of truth is about everything with Jesus. I li- I, before I lived on my own, now I live in company with Jesus. Jesus, how are we going to do this? Jesus, you're my friend. You're my big brother. You're my savior. You're everything. And when I'm in his company, you choose not to do this, but you choose to do that. The evidence of company with Jesus is in a life transformed. And you put on the belt of truth and then you put on the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate of righteousness is an identity, a heart that says, I am a son of the living God. I am a king of kings. I am the son of the king of kings. You are the daughter of the king of kings. What does that feel like? Well, it feels like I've just been picked up out of a mud pile and I've been brought into a new home, a new house, and new resources because now I have an identity that I never had before. Before, I was identified by... I grew up in Cape Town. I had this kind of family and this kind of family and this happened to me and that happened to me and I want you to feel sorry for me or I want you to be really proud of me because look how cool I am. And when I meet Jesus, he says, you're in a new home now. And instead of being defined by where you've come from, you're going to get defined by where you're going to. And you get, instead of being defined by where you've been, you get defined by the parent who is now your father in heaven. And you have a new identity, a new purpose, a new life. That is more than head knowledge. If it's just head knowledge, nothing will change. Conversion is not agreeing with the precepts. Conversion is yielding a heart, opening a heart. And then you put on the the boots of peace. What are the boots of peace? The peace is knowing that God is faithful. Peace is knowing that nothing will separate me from God's love. Experientially, not just theoretically. I I no longer say this secular and sacred. I no longer say I'm satisfied with the theory. So the boots of peace enable me to move forward in places where I could never have moved before. They're military boots. They're not slip-slops. And they're not, uh, they're not uh, slippers. There are lots of people who think peace is about wearing slippers and God just wants to keep everything nice for me. Too bad about the boy on the beach. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, please, please, could you somebody come and cut my lawn because that's my big persecution. No, it's not. You put on boots because he's enlisted you in his army. And he says, people have died so that you could know hope. Now I call you to give your life. Not necessarily to die. Although when I was away the other week, I read accounts of 12 people in, in uh, the Middle East who have, some of them have died since they wrote what they wrote because they said, we want to die for Jesus. We want to, we want to give our lives. We don't want to escape from this zone. We, we're going to go to ISIS and we're going to actually declare Jesus to them. They die under the knife of ISIS right now. It's not, I'm not making it up. I'm not getting dramatic. I'm just saying for them, they're only six months old and they're dead for Jesus. And he appears to them in dreams as a man in white robes, and he says, I am Jesus, follow me. It's happening in the Middle East a lot. And so you put on the boots of peace that says that nothing will come against the power and the love of God. And he says, put on the helmet of salvation. Let me transform your thinking so you think differently about your life and about God and about what you're doing in this world. You're saved for a purpose. You're not just saved from hell. You're saved into heaven, and then you're saved into a totally new lifestyle. This is all leading to something. Then you have that shield, which is four foot and wide and curved. And the shield is there. The shield of faith, which is based on the the truth and the boots and the identity. It's not whistling in the dark, as we talked about the other week, and hoping. It's rooted in something more solid than that. And you know what the greatest battle is right now in our culture? I'm too lazy to even find out what it's rooted in. I'm going to encourage you all to be parts of groups and to get engaged so that you can grow. 80% of you will not do it. I'm too busy. But you'll come up for prayer because I need prayer for this and that and the other thing. I'm not praying. Why why bother praying? That's like praying for somebody who's got my arm and say, please ask God to protect me. And he goes, well, why aren't you wearing his armor? (laughs) I can't be bothered with that, which is a bit like the guy that uh, we were hearing about from Jory. 
I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do this, but I want God to do something for me. Good luck. So yeah, you were right to get angry or frustrated or say, well, should I push you off the, I can push you off the thing right now myself if you want. We've got to toughen up. And so there's this element of, no, God's actually said to us, follow me. God's actually said to us, here I am. But I, we need to engage because as I said in this army, we also strut around on our own and we say, well, God, you know, God's given me this and God's given me that. And he said, good luck. Find a soldier who does battle on his own. You won't find one that stays alive. He either gets betrayed and he goes and fights for the enemy or he gets killed. So the, the basic philosophy of the, the Roman army was that you lock shields and your back is protected by your soldier, another soldier who's your brother. And we're learning how do you protect each other's back rather than stab each other in the back? How do you learn reliance and trust so that you actually move forward together? These are good things. So this whole thing of the, the Roman soldier is powerful, but it's totally not like we operate. So he says, Paul says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. And then he goes through <coughs> the, the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. Take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I want to talk about the sword. I've just gone through all the others. Thinking about putting on the armor of God. You're not battling against flesh and blood. So what do you think the armor actually looks like? You see, if the armor comes from your efforts and my efforts, if the armor comes from my understanding of truth so that I actually only go as far as my intellect takes me, if it goes as far as my understanding of identity, it only goes that far. It's created by me. The armor has to be sourced from another place. And if it's just about effort, I've, I've joked about this before, people talking about saying, well, I, you know, put on the armor every morning and you say, why did you take it off? This armor is not like clothes. This armor is not like what we wear. This armor does not need a laundry. This armor is supernatural. If you're fighting against a supernatural enemy, what is natural armor going to do against it? I mean, your, your and my efforts are important, but they're not going to be enough. You might have noticed that. How many of you memorized this verse of Ephesians? You put it on every day and you defeat it every day. Because you create the armor with great sincerity out of your own understanding and you create your own legal sort of thing around it and your own value system around it and then you go, well, it works and it doesn't work. But if you're, if you're fighting against principalities and powers, against the supernatural, then that armor is going to have to have a quality that comes against the supernatural. That's why we sang, open up the sky. Many of us are scared of the supernatural because one of the ways the enemy takes us out is to give us bad experiences of the very things that are going to save our lives. So we, ad we adopt the theologies and we adopt issues around that which um, are quite a frankly false. And they emasculate God into all God is, is concerned about is that we... People become Christians and then they walk around sharing the Bible with other people and other people become Christians. But the problem is the Christians are totally ineffective because all they worry about is going to church, worship, making sure they tithe, and that's about it. And bless me, Father. And you go, what kind of army is that? What kind of effective force is that? It's so effective that in Canada, I wonder what the statistics were in Canada 60 years ago for Christians, churches. How many churches there were in Port Alberni? 30 years ago, and how many there are today? They've lost, we've lost the battle so far. In Canada, we've lost the battle. Out of niceness and out of luxury, 
and we have been killed by money, and we have been killed by toys, and we have been killed by luxury items. Nobody even knows they're being killed. It's how the battle, you know, the, the enemy adapts to the circumstances. The enemy is critically sharp. So the armor is important. You enjoying this? Well, you should be, because it's actually fun. What, and there's hope for us, by the way. But we won't have any hope unless we understand the problem. We won't have hope unless we have the honesty to, just, to identify our, our tendencies. <coughs> so the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And what does that mean? Because the character, and the, the way I've always heard it, is the Word of God is the Bible. And the Word of God is the Bible, and if you know the Bible and you hit each other over the head with the Bible, something will change. And really, there'd just be mass headaches. It is the Word of God, and it is the Scripture, but it's more than that. Ever since Jesus came into this world, God has said the written word is not meant to be the revelation on its own into this world. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus walked this earth as a man full of the Holy Spirit like the first Adam was meant to be and he did signs and wonders with the power of God and the kingdom of God living in him. If you want to know what the armor of God looks like, look at Jesus. Jesus walked through this earth clad in this armor of God. He resisted evil. He overcame evil. He took ground. He didn't, he didn't uh, live his life in fear and trembling. He faced death with courage. And then he said, follow me. And then he said, I send you out into the world to make disciples. I send you out to be extraordinary people, filled with a spirit unlike any that has been seen before since Adam, able to do things that don't look possible through you. And Paul says to, his, to people as he's sitting in, as he's sitting in, 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 in chains in prison, he says, I am fully clad with the armor of God right now. I am totally free and I'm advocating to you. This is the secret. This is how you do it. Put on the armor of God and never take it off. How do you put it on? You see, in this world, you put on things from the outside. In the realm of the spirit, you can, I could take my cell phone out, out now and lift it up and, and talk to Siri. You know Siri is the voice that's meant to help you from Apple or wherever. There are all these amazing things that we have in technology. Start thinking, what happens if the supernatural is much more powerful and sophisticated than technology? What happens if our, our, the, the most amazing things we play with now, God says, you haven't seen anything yet, and by the way, the gifts that I've poured out to you are far more sophisticated than that, but you won't believe it. So this armor is meant to be effective against the supernatural. He talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word. So... And in Hebrews, it tells us how effective that sword is. It says it's a two-edged sword capable of penetrating. Uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, just to show that I, I'm not making this up. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's powerful. It's not quoting scripture. That is usually how this is taught. The word of God, quote the scripture, it penetrates to the depth of your being. It's not saying that. The hand-to-hand -hand combat of the spirit world or of Romans was a small sword that was absolutely able to be wielded. It was thrust. It was meant to be pushed in. It wasn't meant to be slashed. It had a sharp point to penetrate through armor. And he says the, uh, the word of God is like that. It penetrates. Well, then why isn't it the Bible? The Bible is part of it, but it's not the whole of it. I'm trying to be disciplined and go back to these notes quickly. Because I, I want to... to Put this in a way that maybe is refreshing and helpful. 2 Corinthians, which we read about. I'm, gonna, I'm just sort of going round in a circle right now. But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's Christ triumphal procession 
and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. What if the knowledge of him is an aroma? You just quoted, spirit, you just quoted the Bible to me, but your body odor stinks. So I don't get an aroma that makes me want to stick around. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To, the one, who, to one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. In verse chapter two, 3, verse 2, You yourselves are our letter, written in our hearts, known and read by everyone. You, know, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. The Word made flesh. The Word made flesh. What does that mean? When you watch Jesus walk and talk and interact and engage and suffer, you came in touch with the manifest presence of the living God. You said, what is it about this man? Peter said, when, when uh, Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? Because some of his teaching about uh, his body dying on the cross and stuff and, and his body being the blood, eating his body and drinking his blood was offensive. And Peter said, many, many people left. And he said to his disciples, are you going to leave too? And Peter said, who else will give us the words of life? As somebody paraphrased, when we're in your presence, you bring us to life. So even though he didn't know much, he knew that. And that's when I say to you, open your hearts. When I say you come into worship, open your hearts. It's about let God touch you before you understand. If you try and work it out, you will actually rationalize your unbelief forever. Because at the end of the day, the simple question is, how's it working for you? Are you growing more peaceful? Are you growing more loving? How do you, how do you, are you growing more generous? Are you growing more powerful? Are you growing more effective? Are you making a difference? Are you caring about others more than yourself? All of those are byproducts of the Spirit of God living in you. It's easy to see the fruit. The less fruit we have in our lives, the more judgmental and critical we become because we're insisting that people understand that we're following Jesus even though the fruit isn't there. So we invent new fruit, but it's not the same because others have to taste and see. And we need one another to begin to start saying to, how's the fruit? How's the love? How's the extraordinary hope? How's the joy? How's the courage to pray for the sick? How's the courage to walk with Jesus? How's the courage to be different in the world that you live? How's the courage to not cheat? How's the courage to... Repent. All of that stuff, that's where the fragrance comes from. The fragrance that people go, there's something about you. There's something in you. And don't get tied up on this and that. We're never going to be perfect. Fragrance comes through brokenness. Fragrance comes through humility. Fragrance comes through just owning your stuff. In fact, the ones who are trying so hard to be good Christians don't have much fragrance because they're plastic. Authenticity is about all of this together. Does that make sense? So what's the word made flesh look like? I haven't got ba- I'm getting back to the armor. What do, when you have a child, a young child, here, read this. Do you do that? No, you don't. What do you do? Get them on your lap and you read to them and they have pictures. It's show and tell. What if the word made flesh is like that? It's friendship. It's sharing the story of Jesus through my own life, like Jory shared. I was walking along the seawall. I happened to see somebody. This is what happened. What if the word made flesh and the word that comes out of your mouth, because the word is actually your mouth, it's a two-edged sword, and it's by what you speak that actually takes out the enemy. See, there's an element where if you don't know what you believe, you're just a sitting duck for evil to carry on. How do you put on this armor? You put it on through your mouth. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 16, and 19, verse 30, now just... Look at 19 verse 13, which is a, um, a, a dream vision from J- that John had, which was a, a very powerful and supernatural. 
he talks about this. Um, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses, and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That could be a biblical text for tattoos, but I don't know. But out of his mouth is a sword. Remember, taste and see that God is good. So what is this putting on the armor of God? And what is this uh, the sword? The sword is that word that comes out of you. It's not a word that you, you speak from here. You see, you read this in order to digest it. But when you're with others and when you're doing battle, what is in you is what is powerful. So what you speak out is what will actually take ground in the spirit. I remember I said a long time ago, at the beginning, Genesis, when God created, he spoke. He said, let there be light, let there be this, let be that. And that came into being. God's way of creation is he speaks it out. When Jesus as he was resurrected, spoke to his disciples and said, I breathe on, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit, received the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in tongues. We're going to talk about that next time, which is also controversial, but it's a gift of the Spirit. Um, he was restoring to human beings what Adam had was, you can name the animals, and when you speak, I'm going to give you power. I want you to be co-laborers with me. This is how I create. I speak. Speak truth and light will come. So how do you put on the armor? You put on the armor by what is inside you being declared over you. What does that mean? I put on the belt of truth. I say, thank you, Jesus, that you are my friend. Thank you that I'm, I'm loved by you. And as I'm putting on that, as I'm speaking that over myself, the belt of truth gets firmer. As I speak over me, I am a son of the living God. The breastplate of righteousness gets thicker in the spirit realm. As I say... Um, what else is there? As I put on the boots of peace and I say, thank you, Father, that I can have your peace because you have me in the palm of your hand. Thank you that even though this terrifies me, I'm going to choose to say I trust you with the process. And peace begins to harden on the soles of my feet because I'm standing in his peace. Everything I speak over me and around me begins to build. I put on the helmet of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that you're giving me a new mind. I'm actually learning to think differently. I'm going to learn to think out of living from victory, not living toward victory. I thank you that I'm living from a place of provision, not a place of poverty. I thank you for how you're transforming my thinking. And I'm going to, on that basis, hold up a faith, the, the shield of faith much more easily and go, because of these things, this thing becomes effective. And then as I was preparing this, and the sword of the, the, sword of the Spirit is that which clothes me and that also which becomes against the enemy. Because every time I go, John, you know, this is pathetic. Nobody's doing this. Nobody's doing that. You need to get frustrated. And I say, but Jesus is still Lord. And I start speaking back to the lies that attack me. And I begin to find that those lies begin to dive bomb. Or they bounce off. Or I get a flesh wound, whereas before it would have been a mortal blow. I'm learning how to stand in the strength of God's spirit. Does it make sense? You see, God can give you all the armor and give you all the resources. But if you won't occupy it, it's useless. If you won't stand in it, if you won't humble yourself and say, teach me how to use this. I mean, if we were going to battle in, in a week's time and we, ha we were told, this is the enemy, this is the armor, we're going to have some training things out on the field tomorrow. 
Your life probably depends on it. The chances are most of you would turn up. Why? Because you're scared and you don't know how to use it. Well, the same is true in the spirit. That's what I'm saying as we try to get together house groups and different kinds of groups. My prayer is that, that we have so many requests that we don't know what to do with it. I mean, I'd love to do a training, five, six weeks training. What is basic Christianity? Ask any question. Let's do this. Let's get the foundations. I, I, I offer it and, and three people come up and then a few of the same have been through it 15 times. And I go, no wonder there's... N- I can't create the hunger, but I've learned how to fight. And I spent 40 years learning what I'm talking about this morning. And I know how to teach, but I don't have anyone to teach. It was quite depressing. Or all I do is argue because people come in naked and they argue about why their nakedness is effective because they don't want to be taught anything because they've got their attitude already sorted out to justify whatever they're doing. And so there's, there's this frustration in me of going, Lord, I want to be used. And then you go, well, maybe, maybe I need to go somewhere else. This is not a threat. I'm just sharing my thought. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. Maybe my time here is done because maybe a new flavor on the block will, will, will be able to do something. I'm just challenging us because there's an element of often we're always looking somewhere and you go, it's right here. There's things right here that we can resource. But the way you, sp- you, the way you build this armor is you start speaking over yourself and then you speak it over others. But there's a key that goes on here too and this is incredibly important. It came to me as I was doing this and what that means is I sort of know what I'm talking about on Monday and then I just mull over it till Sunday. And it was like God's, I wish I, we could do this. It was like you stand over here on your own and these people are converging, and you're all wearing some form of the armor. And it was like he said, this armor is actually only really effective and really complete when you join ranks. In fact, he, he sort of said, when, the, more you dis, the more you distance yourself from others, the more that armor gets paper thin, gets less and less effective. It's a supernatural thing. The closer you get to one another, the more you lock, the more this thing becomes like a shield of bronze. And you become much, much more effective to be able to take much, much more ground because you need one another. And we desperately need to learn how to be a tribe as opposed to individuals. And that comes over... That, you know, one of the ways peace is so powerful, peace works with knowing God is faithful, but peace also works incredibly powerfully when you know you're part of a community who loves you. And when you know that actually when I fall, somebody's there to be with me. I'm not alone. We desperately need to learn these things. So that's the armor of God. You remember, I'm finishing with this, when Jesus sent his people, you know, we could go, this is in Luke 9 and Luke 10, when, when Jesus sends out his disciples, what does he do? I mean, they hardly know anything. He gives them authority over evil and he says, go out. Authority and power. Were they clad in the armor of God? I think they were. They were awkwardly fitted, but they had the word of authority and the word of power over them and they went out and he said, don't take anything with you that's visible on both occasions. And, and the reason for that is, again, God's saying, what you're fighting against isn't natural. It's supernatural. And so it's really easy for us to get locked into the natural. And it's Jesus in me that's got to work through me. It's like the river. And so the armor is all about how do you protect the spirit? Do you understand that the armor doesn't necessarily protect the body? So you could die wearing very thick armor of disease, but your spirit will dance in the midst of death. Because you've, you've already established that God is faithful and death has lost its sting. And it's never easy. I'm watching a family and I'm walking alongside a family right now. I'm not going to mention the name just because, but you know, where the one family member is dying, way too young. But it doesn't mean God doesn't love. It just means we live in a world that is very troubled, very broken and very unfair. But in the midst of that, he comforts and he speaks hope. 
And he says, well, if you lay down your body now, you're going to be in a place where there is life. So we live with that. We live with that. We walk with that. We don't try and deny it. Let's stand and ask, and ask God to, to grow us up in this armor, that we would be people who are effective. You know, when we, when we uh, share in the breaking of bread, which we're going to do now, one of the things we're doing is, is we are, we're taking a natural meal and we're saying to God, will you supernaturally feed us? Will you supernaturally equip us? Will you supernaturally surround us? But we need, we need the tangible in order to know the intangible. So as I'm preparing here, where are you struggling? Where is there something that uh, you're finding is you need help on? You say, I need uh, to grow in this area. How's the armor fitting for you today? What is your source for truth? What is your source for identity? Do you live as someone who is resourced or do you live as someone who's trying to survive? Do you live as somebody who's defending the little bit that you have or do you live with humility saying there's so much more that I need to learn? Do you live in isolation or do you live in community where you share your life and decisions with others? Do you live generous or do you hoard everything for yourself? Do you ask the question, how can I help? Or do you criticize for those who are not helping you? Do you ask the question, how can I grow? Lord, what are you saying to me in the presence of others? Or do you defend where you are? What's it like for you to be someone who is living on this earth right now? Is God growing in reality and, and passion in your life? Or did you stop growing years ago because you worked out the bottom theology and that's good for you? Thank you very much. Well, God is much bigger. But Father, thank you for your word. And thank you, your word isn't something we hold in our hands and pass on to somebody else. Your word is something that we digest in our beings. And as it is digested in us, it flows through us. We ask you to forgive us where we've used your word to attack others or we've used your word in wrong ways. And we thank you that your word is the basis from which we live. And so we pray that your spirit will breathe into us the word of life. Why don't you take one of those pieces of armor and say, Lord, this, this, this is an area I need to grow in. I need to learn how to use. I need to, to wear it well. Maybe truth is something that you need to wrestle with a bit more. Maybe the, the identity, breastplate of righteousness, is something you need to grow in. Maybe your thinking needs to be touched by God. Maybe the way you speak his word or read his word needs to grow. Maybe the shield of faith is something that you need to learn how to take up. Well, you have people all around you who maybe use that particular item better than you and you, we can learn from each other. But Receive from God all the resources he has given you. And Father, I pray that you break the mindsets of the natural in our lives where we've reduced you down to the natural man. And we pray that uh, we would be able to enter into the revelation of the supernatural without fear, with an inqu inquisitiveness and an excitement that actually is about discovering resources we had dismissed and underestimated, that we might walk in the full armor of the living God, that we might learn how to take ground, how to serve others, how to manifest your love and your peace in the midst of a hostile environment. And we continue to speak healing over bodies that are hurting, bodies that are diseased. If you need healing, put your hand on your body wherever is appropriate as a sign of, of your desire for healing. just We're going to just speak healing in the name of Jesus. Jesus, just release healing in your name over pain, over arthritis, over digestive issues, over heart conditions, over skin conditions, over psychological traumas. In the name of Jesus, we speak healing. Headaches in the name of Jesus. Be gone in the name of Jesus.
We repent before you, Lord, for our unbelief. We repent for mindsets that don't require a resurrected Savior. And we bless what you're doing among us. We bless what you're teaching us. We bless you for one another, the gift we are to one another. Maybe God's putting in your heart and in your mind, he says, you know, I want you to connect with somebody else. I want you to connect with somebody you don't know too well. I want you to actually start sharing your life a little bit more. Maybe he will bring somebody into your mind and your heart as he wants us to grow in learning how to walk together that we might be strong together. And that's why he calls us to this meal. And he said to his disciples, together he gave them this food and this wine. So after supper he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to them and he said, this